Welcome to Color Me Dead. This is a true crime podcast, and we talk about murder and fuckery most foul in detail while using the darkest of humor. If you don't like words like fuck and cunt, then you probably shouldn't listen. But if you do, then join us while we fuck your feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It is episode... Yeah, don't encourage my fucking ADHD right now. I'm unmedicated. Um, I am too. I did uh-oh. not take mine today either. So today is episode 119. And as this is a request from several people, Yeesh. we put together Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Well, this is going to be a two-part, perhaps three it didn't know yet. Depends on our fucking focus. Well, ladies and gentlemen. It's not uh, so good. <laughs> no, no, it's too, it's too far. <laughs> Yoo-hoo, family, not medicated. Okay, let's really do this episode. All right. Gypsy Rose Blanchard. Um, part one of the Munchausen mommy murder. Yeesh. Yeesh. What about... Social media. Social oh. media. Uh, if you guys want to find us on Facebook, do that. You can find us at Color Me Dead Podcast. We also have the group page. They are linked. Go find them. If you want to check us out on Instagram, it's Color Me Dead Podcast. Gory underscore Nikki and Color Me Dead Angel. You can find us on Twitter. I just bit my tongue. Ow. Uh, hint. Uh, at Color Me Dead Pod. Also, you can check us out at ageofradio.org slash colormedead. There you can shop our bazaar, listen to our episodes, and hit that great big Patreon button. And donate. We're rearranging some shit on Patreon. Yep. Um, while we're talking about Patreon, that website has been giving us hell. So we're trying to upload shit, like ad-free episodes. Sometimes it won't let me if they're big. Um, we're trying to interact on there. So if you're a Patreon, get the app, go on there. I'm going to start interacting a lot more on there. Go. Do. See. Be. Fucking Um, donate. Please. Also, (laughs) Melissa Morgan, Samantha Vaughn, Sharon Hoffman, and Eric Stark. Thank you guys very much for being our examinators. That is our highest donating tier. Um, just so you guys know, uh, from now on, perks for all Patreon have to go through three cycles. And the reason that that is a thing is because um, we've had people make a pledge and then delete it right after. And if you don't, like, we're not mad at you, but it actually hurts us because then we are out the cost of product as well as shipping and handling. And it actually does us, like, less good. (laughs) It doesn't help us. So if you guys are actually interested in the perk, not the pledge, which is cool, dude. Like we're all about it. We fully understand. Go to colormedeadpod.threadless.com and shop there. And if you want ad-free episodes, you only have to donate a dollar to get those. You'll get stickers and ad-free episodes as long as they're not too big for to upload on Patreon. Have issues with that. And and I upload them as soon as I get them edited. So if we're actually early, then you'll get an episode early. But with our schedules, recording has been a little bit sketchy. Um, so if you guys want to send us treats, um, you can send those to Color Me Dead Podcast at P.O. Box 1610, Vernal, Utah, 84078. Um, do not send dick pics. I will post them for everybody to see and I will put your name on them too. 
Yeah, so. I will out you like a motherfucker. Yep. We will. Um, and also, thank you to everybody that has ever sent us anything. The Karens. The Karens. Because Karen Jorgensen and Karen Warner. Um, we've gotten things from Brittany. We've gotten letters. The, you know, the things we get from LeGras creations. Oh, God bless LeGras. She has made my whole life complete lately. (laughs) This Um, cup, all my cups, my shirts, your hoodie. My hoodie, my Devil's Rejects fucking hoodie, my Captain Spaulding shirt. Go check her out. She really does a lot. She's goddamn amazing. She's making me hockey um, coffee mugs because it's hockey season. I need to drink all the coffee. And so she's making me one with my son's little hockey thingy on it so I can haul it around with me. Oh, nice. I know. I'm so excited. Mimi. Uh, sources. Shorshish. If you guys... Shite your shorshish. Shite your shorshish. Shite your sources. Shite your shorshish. <laughs> Listen here, donkey lips. <laughs> if you guys want to check out where I picked up my info for these episodes, you can go to HBO and watch the documentary Mommy Dead and Dearest. There's 2020 Springfield Newsletter and The Act on Hulu, which, by the by, is a dramatization. What? And some of that is for... <laughs> it's for dramatic effect. Hey, just so you know, um, in this, I have... Uh, talked about the differences like as we go through the episode i will talk about the differences on the act versus real life um i spent a lot of time um i spent a lot of time and effort on these and i watched a lot of shit and there are not books okay not yet no because it's too it's 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 pretty recent um and so if you go on amazon and you guys look up books please be aware that there is only one that is available, and it's a fan fiction. It is not accurate. It's a shithole. Like, do not get... Don't buy into, oh my god, there's a book, because there isn't. I mean, there, there is, is a book. But, <laughs> but it's you don't want it. Fi- fiction. Let, it's fucking stupid. It's stupid. All right. Um, But the gory gals of Color Me Dead are going to take this... And run with it. Now, we're not going to pretend that most of you don't know who Gypsy Rose is. And we're pretty positive that a lot of you have watched the documentaries and the series The Act. But we're going to do it anyway. And I've got a special little crack at it because I dug pretty deep. Um, I've reached out to uh, Dee Dee Blanchard's people in Louisiana. (laughs) Um, I'm trying to get some responses on interviews. We'll see what happens. Did you speak Kunas to him? I don't know what language you were just speaking. I don't either. I don't know. Um, But if that goes where I hope it goes, that will be an excellent follow-up for later. Um, A lot of people requested this, so we shall. Uh, They are now calling this the... uh, They call it factitious disorder imposed on self or formerly known as Munchausen syndrome. This is a type of mental illness in which a person repeatedly acts... As if he or she are physically or mentally ill. When, in truth, all of the symptoms are caused by them. Munchausen is a mental illness associated with severe emotional difficulties. And Munchausen by proxy is when you do it to somebody else for all of the same reasons. You're Um, sick. You're sick. Oh, look at you. You're sick. Oh, shit. You're sick. Um, it's also a form, uh, like a severe form of child abuse yeah. and control. Um, 
The caretaker of a child most often is a mother uh, that creates up, creates up, howsomever. Howsomever, they create <laughs> up a oh, cr- symptom. Some fake symptoms. I wish my coon ass was better for this episode. I. My Cajun. You're... My coon ass. You ain't got coon ass. Uh, I know. I'm I southern. spent my entire life, like, trying not to sound like that. So, so um, rewind that, reverse it, and let's see your good coon ass. <laughs> all I have is southern, so that's yeah. where it's going that's for it. me. That's all you got. Sorry. It's all right. Um, so it's, it's all, it's almost always the mother that makes up these fake symptoms or causes real symptoms to make it look like her child is sick. Now, here's something for you to know, something fun that I noticed. Most cases are at the hands of women. Mm -hmm. It is very rare. And like, as far as I can tell, there have been no, now if I'm wrong, please feel free to correct me. I have not found reported cases of fathers doing this. Some. I have a question. What? What about husbands doing it to wives? Because I know wives, and I think that they have a lot of Munchausens themselves. Themselves. Good God. And, but, like, husbands are like, oh, yeah, like, feed into it. Would oh, that yeah, be a, a Munchausens oh, yeah. by proxy? Because they're like, they want their oh, yeah. wives to be. They want, oh, yeah. Because I know a lady who, there's nothing wrong with her. Uh-huh. But she acts like there so she can get attention from her husband and then husband feeds into it. Yes, I actually know a married couple, specific, like, here in town. She's a pill popper and she's very, yeah. I'm, I have glute, I, what is the gluten thing? Celiacs. See, I have celiacs and I have this and I have that and I can't do this and I... I'm not gonna lie, I've done that to myself, not on purpose, but, like symptoms hit. oh my god i'm so sick and then i made it worse yeah and i kept making well it worse she all of her shit is fake it's all fucking fake Mine was but fake i just made it worse yes that is that is a real thing husbands and wives can also perpetrate and exacerbate munchausen yes um some of the munchausen by proxy cases you might not know and i'm just gonna prattle off a few because these are actually cases that we might cover in the future but mary beth tining Kathy, Kathy Bush, Lacey Spears, Lisa Hayden Johnson, uh, Blanca Montano, Leslie Wilfred, Hope Yabara, Sandy Gregory, Parasite. Sounds like Parasite. Parokai. Parokai. And these are just a few in a very large pool of many. And then there's people like um, Marshall Mathers, Eminem, mm-hmm. who claims that he was also a victim of Munchausen by proxy. Mm-hmm. So... We might cover some of these in the future. There's some that I've already started, but these are difficult to cover because when they involve child abuse, it's not fun to read this shit and it's not fun to research, okay? Now, while Nikki and I enjoy, we enjoy true crime, uh, so English is fun and words are We enjoy English. We enjoy true crime. (laughs) We enjoy... Sometimes I write like there's peanut butter in my mouth. Jesus. We enjoy peanut butter. I do like peanut butter. Wait. Now, while Nikki and I enjoy true crime, we too feel the bog of suck that is child abuse and murder. And we don't always like to cover these bits, and it's a lot to do. And we often need to take breaks for our own mental health. Um, living in the darkest part of other people's heads is a pretty sketchy place to be. 
And it fucks you up when you read a few hundred pages and... Yeah, it's... It's not like you just read it the one time. You have to read it and usually read it more than once. Be, well, you gotta take notes it. and you gotta write it. And then you gotta repeat it when you're recording an episode. And then and I edit it so I hear it again. And yeah. then if we listen to it, we hear it again. Like, it's it's a whole lot of fuckery in, in the brain. Tis a lot. Um, but just so you guys know, like, it, it really is a lot to handle some days. And so when we need to take breaks and episodes are delayed or whatever, just remember that we do this shit full time. Yeah. With that being said, we'll start with the birth of the monster from hell. Dee Dee Blanchard was born, um, Claudine Pitrie in Chack Bay, Louisiana. I'm sure you say that different because it's Louisiana. It's probably like, uh, brown. I don't know. <laughs> Yo, that, really? That's it? That's all you got? That's all I could come up with. All I was right. trying to be witty, but I couldn't come up with anything. Near the Gulf Coast on May 3rd of 1967 and grew up with her family near in nearby Gold Meadow. Blanchard was the daughter of Claude Anthony Pitry Sr. and Emma Louise Gisclair. Can they come up with more fucked up names? I don't are like you, it. Are you struggling? Jesus. Dude, Hello. You're in the middle of Louisiana. It's French. They are French there. That's why they French talk. and Arcadian. Did you That's know that? Why, what? Arcadian. When they got that. booted out of Canada. Oh, yeah. I did know that. Arcadians. Yeah. yeah. Not the kind from, they're not like the rock. Like, just. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> she had five siblings. Claude mm-hmm. Jr. Claudia. Okay. Yeah. So this is where I like to make fun of. People in Louisiana and legitimate coon asses because it's like they were like, oh, my daddy Claude and then Claudine and Claude and Claudia. Like they just ran out of fucking names. And maybe it's just like the George Foreman thing. This is George one, two, two. three. Yeah, I just feel like they ran out and then they were like Claude Jr., Claudia, then Evans, Dorla and Todd. They're like, all right, we're done with this because we've got three of them. Fun fact. This story will venture into Angel's People's Territory in Slidell in the Combe, Louisiana. And I've been there, so I have a, I have an image now. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, Claudine, a.k.a. Dee Dee, had been known to engage in petty theft, shoplifting type shit when she was younger. Like you do. Like you do. <laughs> it was said that this was her way of acting out if she didn't get her way. Don't we all do that? I mean, I'd be like, fuck you, fuck me. I'm going to go steal some shit. She would continue this into her adulthood as well and acquire different things throughout means of theft, including free services from locals by making them feel sorry for her and Gypsy. She had a history of stealing checks and forging signatures for things that she had wanted. She did some brief jail time for doing this with her grandfather's checkbook. Dee Dee had claimed that she had possibly written bad checks, but that it was all a mistake and that she would never have done this on purpose. Mm-hmm. This proved to be a lie, and she was convicted of check fraud and spent 180 days in jail. Yeah, on it, it was an accident. I didn't do that on purpose. I'm sorry, I just forgot to write shit down, and I used somebody else's checkbook. Uh-huh. <laughs> During that time, her mother, Gypsy's grand, who was Gypsy's grandmother, took care of Gypsy. Emma 
Didi's mother completely deviated from the schedule of what was made for Gypsy per the dramati- dramatized dramatized accounts on the act. Didi felt like she was always under the watchful and judgmental eye of her mother who was constantly undermining her parenting. That's a grandma thing. I'm just saying. Yeah, it just really just is. But some people do it to an extreme. <sighs> I know a mother-in-law like that. So before her time in jail for her check fraud, Dee Dee had taken Gypsy to the doctor for a wellness check. And during this time, she was told that Gypsy was suffering from failure to thrive, which failure to thrive sounds a lot more heinous than it really is. In real life, they could be underweight. That, you know what? I'm, yeah, I'm going to interject here. Tyler, my middle one, who was just a little thing. She was born at seven pounds, 10 ounces, which to everybody else, is, people say that's a big baby. To me, that's little because my other two are 8'8 eight, eight, and 8'13. Eight, and so 7'10 was like, was tiny for me. But when she would go in for a check, she was too little. Yeah. And they like did tests on her to make sure that I was feeding her and all this shit. My own stepdad <laughs> to make sure that she was doing okay because she was so little. And they, she could have given that failure to thrive. But go look at her dad's side of the family. How big is her mom? His mom is five foot on a, mm-hmm. on a tall day and maybe 100 pounds. Maybe. And his grandma's the same way. Like, she just came from little stock. She's just a little thing. Yeah. So, so the whole, that's nothing. Yeah, the whole failure to thrive thing was ma- mainly that the child was very small and she was underweight. There was some back and forth as to who was to blame for this. And Dee Dee insisted that her mother was always telling her how and when to take care of Gypsy. The doctor had given Dee Dee a detailed schedule, high calorie formula, and some other things to drive up Gypsy's weight. Well, this seems to be about the time at which Dee Dee's desire to, like, over-care for her emerges. When she was released from jail, she would go full-bore nuts. She goes home. She's constantly checking Gypsy's temperature. She's over-medicating her on things like liquid Tylenol and children's ibuprofen, things like that. Um, When Gypsy, like, confronted her mom about this... It was like, she's fine. She's done just well without you. She's done better without you. You know what I mean? So it was like her, Dee Dee's mom, Emma, seemed to have a lot of the same toxic yeah. traits. Mm. And and we'll touch base on that in a little bit. But um, the other thing was that it it was a lot like, you know, Gypsy's mom would try to take care of her and then Emma would step in and be like, let her sleep, let her be. You know, you can't, you can't wake her. Baby's got to get its rest. She's like, but it's time to feed her. Oh God. You know what I mean? So it was that like there, there was nothing Uh that Dee Dee could do that was right. And everything she did wasn't sufficient. And her mom went out of her way to like point out that Gypsy was better without her type thing. And I think. What a kind mama. Yeesh. So I kind of think that that drove her mom, I think it drove Dee Dee to a point of like excessiveness. The other thing was she worked as a nurse's assistant in her early adulthood, which probably made it easier for her to sway the medical professionals to her thinking when dealing with Gypsy. Mm. Now, in 1997, when Gypsy was around six, she was accused of killing her mother by denying her food. And this is something that was in the act, which is dramatized. And then you've got the actual interviews on the HBO and 2020 bits. Like, 
A lot of people talk about what Dee Dee did. So, Emma, Dee Dee's mom, was very ill and she was basically on her way out. She had refused to go to hospice care and she wanted Dee Dee to take care of her while she was going downhill. Emma was basically bedridden and it was like she was so frail and so weak that she couldn't feed herself. She couldn't dress or like toilet herself kind of a thing. And... Dee Dee started to medicate her mom with opiates outside of the regular schedule. So, so much in fact that she had built up a tolerance to opiates that like when the doctor came in and was like, listen, I can't give her enough morphine to make her pain go away. Like, what have you been giving her? And so not only had Emma become like she was emaciated, she wasn't getting fed, she... um was in so much pain. She was like wailing all the time. Like she was in that much pain. And Dee Dee basically put her in the back bedroom and left her there to die. And anytime Emma would call for her or start crying or anything like that, Dee Dee would drown her out with the sounds of the radio or the TV or whatever until Emma died June 9th, 1997 in Gold Meadow, Louisiana. Her obituary makes no mention of her cause of death. The other thing is, uh, the obituary, it says, um, it appears she was listed as, was the wife of. I don't know if she was still married to Dee Dee's father, Claude, when she passed, but seeing how Dee Dee went to live with her dad afterwards, I'm kind of unsure about that whole situation. Now, my assumption of this entire thing is that perhaps Claude and Emma had separated but were not divorced. Mm-hmm. And then Emma passed away. Claude then went on to be a widower and married shortly after. But I don't think they were living together. Yeah, obviously, if uh, Dee Dee was taking care of her. Yeah, and allowing her to suffer horribly. Like, right, where the fuck is dad at this point? Like, yes. are you that daft? Yeesh. Are you that much into your TV that you can't pay attention to mom squealing in the background? No, seriously, like... Uh, at that particular juncture, like, I don't think that Claude was around. And anyway. Claude and stepmom Laura talked about how much Dee Dee was like her mother, with the stealing, the lying, and even making people sick. They said that Emma was often in court for the same shit that Dee Dee would later go to jail for, which makes sense. Um, so it looks like it was a learned behavior. Yes, very much. Check fraud. <clears throat> Credit card fraud, shoplisting. Li- I'm going to make a list of the things that are in the shop. You bitch, you're going to jail. Fuck. Make a list, I'm stealing them twice. Shoplifting and all sorts of shit ran in the family, according to statements made by, her, the, by the Petries. It was also a suspicion that Dee Dee was responsible for the attempted murder of her stepmother who confronted her about the way she treated Gypsy. The family suspected Dee Dee of poisoning her. This was also the incident that led to Claudine to change her name up and start going by Dee Dee or Claudina. Yes. Claudinia. 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 It's like a flower. (laughs) (laughs) She, you're a blooming desert rose. Claudania. Claudania, real desert flower. Flower. (laughs) (laughs) See, at one point, while Gypsy was very young, after the death of Emma, they had taken up residence with her father and stepmother. 
Um, Angel strongly urges you to watch the interviews with the dad and stepmom. The Cajun coon asses. It's, dude, it's amazing. Um, long story short, Dee Dee started to prepare the meals for the household when her stepmother, Lara, fell very ill. In fact, she was bedridden for nine months with an unexplainable illness that almost claimed her life. Dee Dee's nephew, Bobby Petrie, said that no one trusted Dee Dee and no one was safe from her. In his interview for HBO, he said he wasn't shocked at all that Gypsy wanted her dead or that she was killed. Both Bobby and Laura told HBO that Dee Dee was putting Roundup Weed Killer in her meals. The act almost killed Laura, and Claude Petrie said that he's lucky it didn't. When she was confronted at a family gathering, she took off. This is when she relocated to Slidedale. Fancy Slidedale. So, yeah, like, they, they confronted her at a family gathering about... The way she treated Gypsy. Listen, bitch. I know you've been putting Roundup in my food. Well, they were like... I know the taste. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, here. And we'll we'll actually talk about the shit that she did to Gypsy that they, like, they're catching this shit and they're being like, what the fuck? And they're like, and, you know, Laura was fine until you moved into the house. Mm. And we found, you know, Roundup weed killer in the cabinet next to the oatmeal the or the salt. The fucking grits. Uh, I guarantee you. Motherfucking shrimp and grits. Roundup. Weed killer. Right on in her. Anyway, there's... As soon as people were like, bitch, we we, we got your number. She was like, take a motherfucking baby. I gotta go. Yeah. she. I need to take a mean shit. I'm out of here. Gotta take it in Slidedale. <laughs> Not in this house. I'm going Not to Slidedale. I'm going to Slidedale. 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 Slidedale, luck home. All right. Now, when she was 24 is when Dee Dee became pregnant by Rod Blanchard. He was only 17. Okay. They named their daughter Gypsy Rose since Claudine was a fan of Gypsy and Rod was a fan of the Guns N' Roses. Oh, how cute. Yes, very nice. Very nice. Very nice. Now, shortly before Gypsy Rose's birth in 1991, the couple separated when Rod said... You know, in his interview in 2017, he was like, I realized that I got married for all the wrong reasons. Now, despite Dee Dee's greatest efforts to get him back, he returned for a short while, but eventually bailed. Um, she took her newborn daughter to go live with some of her family. Now, hey, kids, fun fact, let this shit sink in because that's statutory fucking rape. He was 17. She was 24. Mm-hmm. She likes to... Um, she likes to put it out there as like, oh, we were just a couple of crazy kids in the hot bayous. No, it's you... the fucking nineties. It's not like it was the sixties. No, this is yeah. Well, here's the thing though. Like, you can't be like, we was just a couple of starstruck kids. No, you're twenty-four. He was a starstruck kid. You were fucking not. No, you're a goddamn pervert. So <laughs> goddamn pervert. <laughs> yeah, goddamn pervert. Anyway. So you've got a 17-year-old who is, he's been married. He doesn't want to be married. And I understand that a lot of parents are okay with the gap in age in relationships. And I guess a man of only 17 scoring a 24-year-old beauty must not have raised too many eyebrows. For me, that's too much. I don't care if you're male or female. When there's that much of an age difference, I personally just believe that there's a lot 
less in common for you. And it really just looks like somebody's taking advantage. At least at that age. It's true. When you're older, that age gap isn't such a big deal. When you're both adults, it's a different it's a different thing. But or seventeen and twenty four, that's a whole different ball game. It's like you know what I mean? Like my mom tried to get after me for dating older guys. And what? I never did that. I did. I'm just, I was being totally oh. sarcastic. So, but my mom did it too. Like, so, and then my grandma called her out in front of me one time and my mom was like, thanks, mom. You aren't supposed to tell her about that shit. That's uh, how I know it doesn't work because yeah, I did it. That's how I know. Your mom so, just went Southern. Did you know? I don't know. You Sometimes the things that came out of my mom's mouth, it was hard to tell if she wasn't from like Taiwan. She talked so fast and so angry, but <laughs> so angry, so angry. So, you know, regardless, the pair of crazy kids, finger quote, Mm. kids, spent those hot nights in the bayou. Gypsy was the the product of that. Now, Rod Blanchard stayed in his daughter's life as a married man until she was about three months old. The separation of Dee Dee and Rod was short-lived. They attempted to reconcile once, didn't work out. And by that time, Dee Dee had already started in with like the, my baby sherry, she got them sleep apneas. Like she's sorry. You like that? I just went to uh, Princess and the Frog. <laughs> so sorry. That's my name, Raymo. You can call me Ray Ray. <laughs> oh, Grandma, you're loud out. And my okay, I listen you. Ain't nobody gonna miss you. You get in that water right now. You start making all that noise. Them gators gonna come up and get you. All you gonna see is them bubbles. You. <laughs> you better start hurry. Sink or swim, sink or swim. I need to take my medicine when we do these things because yeah, I, I went from Didi. <laughs> Didi. You idiot. Get out of my laboratory. I went I from there to, to fucking, yeah. All right. To, to Princess and the Ooh. Frog. I'm so, sorry. Uh, excuse me. Bless but you. that's that's when she started. So she repeatedly took Gypsy to the hospital for overnight stays to be monitored while she slept. Was she made she of money? Huh? Was she fucking made of money? Do you know how much it costs to spend the night in the hospital? Yeah, but if you go, and especially if you are on state's assistance, yeah. you have insurance for your baby. Yeah, that doesn't cost her shit. Yeah. Well, that being said, she had these overnight sleep like studies done. And Dee Dee also, she insisted on a myriad of other testing. Everything came back with zero diagnosis or zero proof that Gypsy ever suffered from any of the disorders that she claimed. Um, Dee Dee also insisted that tiny little Gypsy suffered from a chromosomal, chromosomal disorder, unspecified, as well as a target. um, She said that she had like... Uh, fuck. I can't remember. Anyway, the list was longer than a Target receipt. Like, oh God. you know what I'm saying? Like, when she went in there, she was like, my baby, she got sleep apnea, she's cross-eyed, she got chromosomal. Like, she, this woman was like an auctioneer for fucking diseases. Like, I get that as a first-time mom, because I was like, fuck, shit, I can't sleep. What if I sleep? And he stopped breathing. And, you know, like, everything goes through your head. However, when you have had an hour or two of sleep, talk yourself out of that shit. Maybe start, you know. (laughs) Talk yourself out of that shit. Weeding out the crazy shit that you're talking yourself into. 
Because Calvin really did have uh, acid reflux. And I was like, what's wrong with him? His stomach, he won't hold food. He's going to die. Oh, my God. <laughs> my baby. My baby. My, my baby, baby has, dies. Has a sleep apnea. Sleep apnea is my baby shitty. So I put him on his stomach like you're not supposed to. And he was just fine after that. Oh, perfect. Parenting. Uh, winning. My mom so, was like, you guys all slept on your stomachs and you're still alive. I was like, all right. better than him choking on his acid reflux. So here we go. Here we go. Well, this is also about the, like, this is also about where Dee Dee took control of Gypsy's mobility. Okay. So Dee Dee confined, confined Gypsy to a wheelchair when she was about seven or eight. And she was in a very minor motorcycle accident. She had been riding around on her granddad's motorbike and she tipped over and took a spill. Okay. Now, when she took the spill, <clears throat> excuse me, when she took the spill, her cousin Bobby said that Gypsy had only suffered very minor scrapes and bruises to her knee. If that's the case, all of my kids should be in wheelchairs. Stick them in the wheelchair. Gypsy was perfectly capable of walking after this incident. Dee Dee, on the other hand, was convinced that Gypsy would need many surgeries to correct a devastating injury to her leg. And that she could see many visible signs of injury. Injury. Dee Dee then put Gypsy in a chair, forcing her to stay in it for over a decade for no reason. Like, okay, your whole, your main fun years, you're in a wheelchair. Yes. Because. Why are you in a wheelchair? Because my mama said. Well. My, my mama, my, my mama, my mama, yes. my mama said that I need to be in a wheelchair. She had convinced her kid that she needed to be in that chair. Now, for a long time, Dee Dee had her pretty convinced that this was accurate until she, ta- like, any kid is going to get sick of sitting in a fucking chair. Okay? Right. They're going to want to move. Mm-hmm. Um, whenever, whenever she got the opportunity to test that boundary, she did. And Dee Dee would punish her. We will, we will cover this. I can't even imagine. Well, you see my eight year old that's, she's very mobile. She's upside down half the time doing just, back handsprings and doing this oh, and yeah. trying to get her aerial and all that shit. Like, I'm just telling you, like it, it does not. The only thing that shocks me about this entire story is that Gypsy didn't kill her sooner. That's fuck it. Fuck for real. Um. Anyway, Bobby, cousin Bobby, mm-hmm. had seen or nephew Bobby, whatever. However, it's cousin to Gypsy. Yeesh. Um. Had seen her try to get out of her wheelchair and showed signs of being fully capable of walking. Every time she tried, Dee Dee would sack her like a quarterback. And return Gypsy to her rolling confinement. Like, yes. no, you must not walk! Get no, back. really, that's exactly how it all went down. Oh my god, do you know what damage you could have done if you would have continued to walk? If you would have taken four steps, everything would have fallen apart and you would have died. It'd have been like the, what is it, the, the five-point exploding heart technique. Like, if you take more than five steps, you die! <laughs> you die! Foosball uh. is the devil and then you die! And like then that. you die! But that's the thing is like walking is the devil. <laughs> yes. Like oh my god. Yes. Yes. Don't you step on them feet. <laughs> feet is the devil. Feet are not for walking. <laughs> now, if you notice that Gypsy <laughs> feet are not for walking. 
Feet to the devil! Channel your inner Kathy Bates for this Fuck. episode. All right. That's all. Yep. That's what it is. All right. <clears throat> now, if you'll notice that Gypsy's actual birthday has not been disclosed, it's because there's some debate on that shit. Yeah. Technically, she was born July 27th of 1991, but Dee Dee fudged that shit over and over, even confusing Gypsy until she was in her later teens. She went so far as to create a birth certificate that said she was born in 1995. Dee Dee repeatedly lied about Gypsy's age. When she was about 10, but Dee Dee was saying that she was 8 in 2001, Gypsy named... Gypsy was named the honorary Queen of Crew in Mid-City, which is a parade held for kids during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Dee Dee also took Gypsy to many Special Olympics events where they they garnered a lot of attention for Gypsy's many health issues. Gypsy's father had still insisted in seeing his daughter during these strange times, even going to Special Olympics events. Dee Dee would later convince Gypsy that her father had abandoned her because she couldn't walk. Eventually, the real memories of her youth would be replaced with falsehoods from Dee Dee's mouth. From her lying, lying mouth. mouth. <laughs> lying out the side of your fucking neck, Dee Dee. Dee Dee. It's easy to change a kid's mind when they are young and you have uh, them doped to the gills. Here, take your medicine and let's talk about this real story. Well, I think that when a kid is really young, it's easy to convince them mm-hmm. of what is what is real and what is not. Mm-hmm. Um, not only that, but everybody, it's kind of like that fucking movie Vantage Point where like yeah. everybody has a different point of view from wherever they were. And I'm not saying that like, you know, I'm not saying that your memory is false. It's not what I remember. But Dee Dee legitimately went in and was like, no, that ain't true. No, Your daddy no. won't dare. You know, and then later, years and years later, you know, Rod Blanchard shows up and shows her pictures. Like, I was there the whole time. And we'll get to that at the very end. But yeah, like, Dee Dee had probably one of the most unhealthy grips. I mean, she physically, mentally, and emotionally fucked Gypsy up. Bad from the get-go. Jesus. Yeesh. Dee Dee had ended Gypsy's academic career in roughly second grade. Really, that's much more of a guess than it could have been as early as kindergarten. School is the devil. You're uh, going to learn all those <laughs> mathematics. Science is for the devil. <laughs> Your med- medulla oblongata. Yeah, dinosaurs did not exist. Jesus Christ had them stricken from the earth. they the devil. Mathematics is not a needed situation. Oh my God. The only numbers you need to know is on someone else's bank account. <laughs> on you them need checks. To, <laughs> what you need to know is writing. So you can write your name and you can forge checks. <laughs> Fuck, dude. For real? Well, so... What, um, turn the page, turn the page, turn the page. So Dee Dee would actually claim that Gypsy's illnesses and her physical issues were what kept her from a healthy existence in school. And then she started homeschooling her and poorly. Fun fact, Gypsy mostly learned to read by reading Harry Potter books. And that was done on her own. 
Can I give a big shout out to anybody that is homeschooling their fucking kids? I homeschool one class. One. Uh, oh my God. <laughs> I fuck me. I think that there are some children that legitimately need to be homeschooled. Mm-hmm. I think that there are some children that are homeschooled that their parents take a very active stance in their education. And then I think there are some people that homeschool their kids that are fucking ruining their children in every way, shape, or form. Right. Right. If I homeschooled any more than one class, I would be ruining my children. And that's what I explained to him when he was like, I want to just do homeschool. I was like, no, 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 no. You would come out of this a lot dumber. And we <laughs> even have... I cannot have you booted out into society at the age of 18 with... Off menta- of my teachings. <laughs> yeah. no, no, dude, no. No. Um, well, okay. So, she learned how to read Harry Potter. Well, I oh, love Harry Potter. Potter. I do love Harry Potter. Uh, so, Gypsy's father, Rod, had gone on to marry another woman named Christy. The pair tried to stay in Gypsy's life as much as they possibly could, but Dee Dee really made sure that it was very limited, and more often than not, it was none. Ron, Rod Blanchard did not have a full scope of just how bad the abuse on Gypsy was until Dee Dee was dead. Mm. Dee Dee and Gypsy lived off of public assistance while they were in Slidell. Like, their home, their bills, uh, their monthly allotments for everything was public assistance. Most of this had been given to them merely for Gypsy's conditions and her health issues. The rest of the income coming in was actually child support from Rod. They spent... <clears throat> they spent most of their time visiting various specialists at Tulane Medical Center and the Children's Hospital of New Orleans. Seeking treatment of the illnesses Dee Dee claimed that Gypsy, Gypsy suffered from, which she now said included hearing and vision. So she's got sleep apnea, Damn. a chromosomal disorder, she can't walk from that motorcycle, and now she has vision and she has hearing problems. Um, they also... The doctors had also gone in and done a, a muscle biopsy. They found no trace of muscular dips. Dipstrophy. I could see you saying that, like, in your kunas. No. <laughs> no. And that, that muscular dipstrophy. I <laughs> uh, don't know if y'all have lextricity in that trailer. <laughs> see? Um, that. A muscle biopsy had been done and there had been no sign whatsoever of muscular dystrophy, which Dee Dee insisted that Gypsy had, and she was successful in securing treatment for her daughter, her, her daughter's daughter. Please her daughter. have so much fun editing this. Don't leave all this shit I in. have more time this time, all so right. I can... Perfect. Which, yeah, Whatever. I think I've been doing a pretty good job getting it all out. Ugh. Sometimes just, I forget or whatever. fall asleep. Or sometimes I fall asleep. <laughs> um, so anyway, she she was successful in getting treatment for a lot of her daughter's other purported issues. After she was told, um, like, any time that a doctor challenged her, she would take her to a different doctor. Of course. Yes. After she told doctors that Gypsy was having seizures every few months, they prescribed anti-seizure medication. Several surgeries were performed on her during this time, and Dee Dee regularly took Gypsy to the emergency room for minor ailments. Like, this shit was off the meter. She would go to a doctor and be like, she has the muscle dystrophy. And a doctor's like, okay, we do a muscle biopsy. By the fucking by, do you have any idea how incredibly painful that is? Oh, I can imagine. On a little kid. 
And they come back and they're like, you know, like the kid doesn't have dystrophy at all. I'm taking my baby to a new doctor, you the devil. So here we are. <clears throat> well, Hurricane Katrina struck in August of 2005. Yeah. And if you're you're not aware or you've forgotten the kind of des- devastation it caused. It totally fucked up New Orleans and the surrounding areas to the point that Dee Dee and Gypsy left for good and moved north. Their apartment had been ruined and they homed in a shelter for folks with special needs in Covington. The hurricane had given Dee Dee all the ammunition she needed to further her agenda and lies by saying that Gypsy's medical records, birth certificate, and other documents had all been destroyed in the floodwaters. At this point, a doctor from the Ozarks advised that the pair move to Missouri and they were airlifted within the month to their new home. The big move was late 2006, early 2007, and this would be the point at which Rod's relationship with his daughter would become far more estranged and non-existent because they're too far away. Mm-hmm. In Aurora, the southwest part of the state is where the mother and daughter initially rented a home. During their time there, Gypsy was honored by the Olay Foundation, which advocates for the rights of feeding tube patients as its 2007 Child of the Year. Dee Dee lied about Gypsy's age for this award. What? In 2008, Dee Dee was known as Claudinia, Dee Dee for short. She was the recipient of a home complete with a chair ramp and a hot tub for her disabled child in North Springfield. I've been there. That's where my family's from. So we went from where your family's from to where (laughs) where my family's from. Mary. This was also worthy of news mentions. A single mother who had to flee the devastations of Katrina with a disabled child. The community often pitched in to help the mother and the help of grants, awards, or other funding were pouring in. Charitable contributions to support the duo were large. A great deal of money was given to Dee Dee. The outpouring to Dee Dee and Gypsy included many stay, uh, many stay at the Ronald McDonald houses during medical appointments. From Missouri, they received free flights to Kansas City to see doctors, and there were vacations. Of course, Disney was on the list, as Gypsy was a huge Disney fan, and the Make-A-Wish Foundation had made it possible for them to meet Miranda Lambert backstage, where she had several photos taken with the singer and Habitat for Humanity Home, too. Uh, yeah. This is- that's, that's like a small portion of the kinds of things that were funneled in. <clears throat> so, Dee Dee wouldn't admit it, but blah, blah, Rashad. Blah, Rashad. <laughs> What is blah, 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 blah. I did not say blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Dee Dee wouldn't admit it, but Rod Blanchard had been making child support payments to the tune of $1,200 a month for one baby. Okay. Because he wanted to make sure that Gypsy was well taken care of. And Dee Dee had made it out that this child was needy. Everything under the sun, and she needed all this money. Twelve hundred dollars a month. That's like, that's more than I get for three. That's well, considering in ninety whatever mm-hmm. or two thousand. Well, I guess that's not that much. Well, money. we're in the two thousands now. We're in the two thousands now, but, but seriously, he had been making these kinds of child support payments from the get go. So, yeah. Anyhow, um, 
<clears throat> this is the other thing that a lot of people don't know. The assistants kept coming to Dee Dee after Gypsy turned 18. On Gypsy's 18th birthday, Rod had called to wish Gypsy happy birthday. And Dee Dee was like, hey, you know what? Don't mention her actual age to her. Um, Gypsy doesn't really know how old she is. And I don't want you to freak her out. Because she, Dee Dee had been telling people that Gypsy believed she was only 14. In fact, Dee Dee had told so many people that Rod was an abusive alcoholic addict that had harmed her and Gypsy and said, you know, he never helped financially with the upbringing uh, and he had never come to terms with the fact that Gypsy had health issues and he was constantly mocking and berating his his daughter for being disabled. Everybody automatically, like, took pity on her. Like, oh my God, there's I'm this so woman sorry. who's, you know, her husband was a piece of shit and she's got this disabled daughter. You know what I mean? And so... Dee Dee had also told Gypsy the same lies, saying that Rod left because Gypsy walked funny. And which made no sense because he left before she could walk. Um, Rod and his wife had regularly made plans to come to Missouri to see Gypsy, but Dee Dee would always find a way to end their plans before his arrival to see his daughter. Gypsy's charm still to this day captivates people and even more so while they were under the guise that she was ill. She's a tiny fucking sprite of a human being. I mean, tink tea, little girl. She's a like 4'11". <clears throat> Damn. So she's shorter than me. Mm-hmm. She's like 4'11", and she's like, after she gained weight, let that sink in, after she gained weight going to prison, she's still like 130 pounds. God damn. So she was like 80 to 100 pounds with a nearly toothless mouth. She was very childlike in her appearance. She had large glasses that her mother made her wear and a very high-pitched voice that was very childlike. And that only benefited Dee Dee even more. It, it made it easy for her to tell people that she was much younger than she was. And since she was the size of a 10-year-old, even at the age of 18, she could still like perpetrate this lie. You know what I mean? So Dee Dee furthered the appearance of illness by shaving Gypsy's head and having her wear wigs to cover her baldness when they left the house. Now, Dee Dee regularly shaved her head and it had nothing to do with illness. It did, however, give Gypsy the the appearance that she was suffering from chemotherapy, radiation, like she had cancer, and Dee Dee would tell people that she actually had leukemia. Right. Right. So Gypsy was also, she was made to wear a, an oxygen tank. And Dee Dee also had a feeding tube implanted in her and was feeding her Pediasure well into her 20s. Jesus Christ. Ish. Dee Dee abused poor Gypsy with a variety of abuses that in, included having her teeth removed. Now, the act will go on to say that because Gypsy could walk and was denied so many things like sugar that in the middle of the night while her mother was dancing with Prince Valium and Xanax, she would she would binge sugar like Coca-Cola and candies, which were strictly prohibitado. Yes. The truth was, Gypsy's teeth were radically compromised and it wasn't from sugar. Her teeth were painfully destroyed and crumbling filled with holes like Swiss cheese from the strong force medications that Dee Dee was giving her for epilepsy, leukemia, and MS. Conditions Gypsy didn't have and medications she didn't need. Additionally, having her 
the ones these the these the spittle glands <laughs> she had her salivary glands removed salivary glands yes what you just said i'm just gonna say that Mary. would further the process of decay due to her dry mouth and the fact that she was on a CPAP and oxygen forcing air into her already dry mouth made it worse too in the act it portrayed gypsy's very damaging experience with the dentist as traumatic she was unaware that she would be undergoing multiple extractions. The series would also say that Gypsy's teeth started falling out regularly regularly while she attempted to brush. We are unsure if this is accurate or not. Um, the medical interventions and procedures were never ending. Gypsy first had her saliva glands treated with Botox and then removed altogether to control her drooling. The doctors had done so as a way to prevent her from choking on her own spit as the cause of this was topical anesthetics that Dee Dee had applied prior to the doctor visits. Gypsy never had a problem with her saliva glands, but it didn't stop Dee Dee. The fear that Dee Dee put into Gypsy and the doctors as well is that she couldn't control her saliva and her epilepsy, she could choke and die. So that was her thing. She has epilepsy. She has regular seizures. Look um, at her drooling. Look at her She's drooling. Gonna die. She would coat her mouth with things like Ambisol. And then she was drooling. And then the doctor's like, oh my God. So then they stick fucking needles in her neck to give her Botox. Which, by the way, you can also do for sweating. Like if you're a sweaty motherfucker like me, you can go have Botox shot into your little sweat glands. Mm-hmm. Well, she's still drooling like a motherfucker. So they went in and removed them. Now. I know from personal experience that when you have a dry mouth and sleep with your mouth open, like the alcoholic that I am, that also exacerbates tooth decay. A wet mouth is a clean mouth is a healthy mouth. Mine's healthy as shit right now because I'm drooling. (laughs) Wait, (laughs) y'all. She also had tubes placed into Gypsy's ears for ongoing infections, and these were directly a result of Dee Dee putting things into her ear canal. And, like... It was it was alleged that she would put chemicals or things into Gypsy's ear and, yeah, create these issues. Look, you've got an ear infection. We need to go back. Yeah. Well, and it was things like she would take, um, and this is, this is like speculated. This is not confirmed by Gypsy or anybody else. But it was something that was, I read in an interview from family members like Dee Dee's family so like her sister would be like oh you know Dee Dee was like drinking coffee or alcohol and then swish it around her mouth like mouthwash and alcohol and shit and then spit it into Gypsy's ears oh my god to give her and then hold it there hold real still to this create, will help clean it out well I mean fuck your mouth's full of bacteria and shit but you would think that the mouthwash would kill that and so would alcohol but like that can't possibly be good for your ears um, but you know also my mom was a firm believer that if your child had a ear infection that you were supposed to take a drag off a cigarette and blow the smoke in their ear and then hold it because that would clear it right up so I don't fucking know wives tales God please don't damn. do those things to your kids I don't even know how me and my brothers like made it out alive you guys must have the immune systems of a bull 
Well, you know, Look. they're just the things that, you know, it was okay to smoke and drink while you were pregnant because then you would have smaller babies and everybody knew that you wanted to have smaller babies so you didn't tear your taint and your pussy was still presentable for fucking, you know. I had big babies and mine's still very presentable, thank you. I'm just like, <laughs> my taint is perfectly intact. It sure is, because it's like, Maybe we should have stickers north. saying perfectly presentable and ta- taint intact. <laughs> Perfectly presentable pussy. Because my taint is intact. My hymen is not, but my taint is. Now, <laughs> moving on. Dee Dee used physical violence against her daughter behind closed doors and in public. Just in case it went unnoticed. And it did. Well, Gypsy was subjected to painful hand squeezing neck squeezes Mm. if she spoke in public about being able to walk, acted above her suggested mentality, or alluded to the fact that she wasn't sick. Go back. No shit. Look at all of the photos and watch the the interviews. Mm -hmm. Dee Dee always has a hold of her daughter. So she can squeeze her and let her know. Shut your mouth. So, Gypsy had been screaming silently for help for many years, which was squashed by Dee Dee with physical force, and then it was swept under the rug with something like, oh, she don't know what she's talking about, you know, and it was always, um, her mental state, like, was always discussed afterwards. So, like, she got the mind of a child, you know what I mean? Like, it was always... She lives in these dreams. She's special. She's, you know... She don't know what she's saying. Now, when the two were no longer in the public eye, Dee Dee would subject Gypsy to hanger... Spanks oh God! And slaps and spankings. The suspicions about Gypsy's conditions, not just by family but professionals as well, were starting to become bigger and bigger. Bernardo Flasterstein was a pediatric neurologist who saw Gypsy in Springfield and became very suspicious of the muscular dystrophy diagnosis. When he ordered MRIs and blood tests, which had no abnormalities, he was pretty much like, "I don't see any reason why she doesn't walk." Well, he told Dee Dee to follow up on another visit after seeing Gypsy stand. So, like, he stood her up and she supported her own weight. And then he checked the muscle tone in her legs and he was like, um, they're low, but it's not atrophied. Like, if this was a person who was suffering from actual dystrophy, their legs, like, she would not be sitting up straight. She would not have this kind of muscle tone. Um... Anyway, he also noted that Dee Dee was not a good historian, meaning he would ask her questions and she had this big book of like notes of everything. Now, if something that kind, like that serious happens with your kid, when they look at you and they're like, okay, about when? You should be able to say August, August 2007 or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I can talk about, I know exactly when Paige got her first set of stitches. You know what I mean? Like, any, and I know, what? I can't remember when my daughter got hers. I remember the roundabout time. That's what I'm saying. It was hunting season because she was wearing camo. Perfect. (laughs) Um, But the, the point being, she wasn't a good historian. And without that book, she couldn't recall or give specific details. So it was almost like she had told so many lies about Gypsy that she couldn't, like, regurgitate them well enough. She had to keep them straight. Yeah. I smell something fishy. Maybe it was Roundup. I don't know. I don't know. Well, after contacting Gypsy's doctors in New Orleans, he learned that Gypsy's original muscle biopsy had come back negative. Hmm. And 
undermining Dee Dee's self-reported diagnoses of muscular dystrophy, as well as her claim that all of Gypsy's records had been destroyed by the flooding of Katrina. He suspected the possibility of Munchausen by proxy, and Dee Dee managed to gain access to Dr. Flasterstein's notes and subsequently stopped taking Gypsy to see him. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. Flasterstein, which is an amazing last name, do might I add. I love it. I do love it. Did not follow up by reporting Dee Dee to social services. He said he had been told by other doctors to treat the pair with golden gloves and doubted the authorities would believe him anyway. In 2009, an anonymous caller told the police about Dee Dee's use of different names and birthdates for herself and her daughter and suggested Gypsy was in better health than claimed. Officers who performed the resulting wellness check accepted Dee Dee's explanation that she used the misinformation to make it harder for her abusive ex-husband to find her and Gypsy. Without talking to Rod and reported that Gypsy seemed to be genuinely mentally handicapped the filed was closed file was closed the yep. filed the filed it was a filed that's what they are in the south they're the filed. defiled <laughs> gypsy's desires to be out of her chair more independent and her budding puberty were creating a stir of echoes for didi and her master plans didi had failed to think of what she couldn't control adolescence Sorry, but Mother Nature is a storm that cannot be stopped. Whether it's a human or Earth, there is no way to hold her off. A youngster's hormones are just a flood that will not be damned. Dee Dee had at least one forged copy of her birth certificate that was uh, used to continue the claims that she was still a teen. The birth date had been left the same except for the year, which was changed from 1991 to 1995. This would keep Gypsy in the dark as well. As mentioned briefly before, she didn't even really know um, her real age for about 15 years. Since Dee Dee repeatedly lied to doctors and neighbors about Gypsy's age, her daughter didn't know either. When Gypsy was asked about her age, her mother Dee Dee would claim that it was a clerical error on behalf of the hospital that she was born in. They had misprinted it. Mm-hmm. Dee Dee... Kept the real birth certificate hidden away. Gypsy eventually found it, and we'll touch on that more in a bit. Uh-huh. That was a misprint. They thought it was that 1995, was the- but it was only 91. The, it, that's the funny thing is, like, she had rhyme and reason and a story for everything. In 2001, Gypsy had started to attend science and fiction conventions. So, like, Comic-Con, okay? Mm-hmm. Often in costume. It was really much... It was a much-loved hobby of hers, and since she was in a wheelchair, um, even, well, let me let me rephrase that. She blended in even in a wheelchair. Right. So it was kind of like something that didn't happen for her. Mm-hmm. Like, she was in wigs, and she was in costume, and she was in a wheelchair, but she still blended in with everybody else. And it was like this one little piece of normalcy that she had. In 2011... Gypsy would actually try to run away from her mother after meeting a man at one of these events. Later, she would be found in a hotel room with a man that she had met and fled with. Dee Dee produced falsified documents like the funky birth certificate 
Mm-hmm. Showed it to the man that Gypsy had run with and was like, she is still a child, and then threatened the, the dude with the police. Now, in the series, The Act, the incident was portrayed as a meeting that had been pretty innocent in the beginning. Gypsy would later acquire a cheap flip cell phone at a convenience store, and she used the phone to make contact with the man that she met. Through a few text messages, Gypsy deduced the best way to keep in contact with potential Prince Charmings was to have a Facebook account. She would sneak out of bed at night and log into many Facebook accounts. Like she has, by the by, these fucking Facebook accounts still exist. Nuh-uh. Yes. And I will share that with you. Um, she had like six Facebook accounts. She had like a joint account with her mom and then she had all of her like separate extra accounts. Anyway, that being said, she had like Five or more. Her friend and her neighbor, Aaliyah Man- Woodmansey, sorry, um, was friends with her on at least two of those Facebook accounts. After Dee Dee found out about Gypsy, they returned home and she took a hammer to Gypsy's laptop and cell phone Aww. and smashed them into pieces to prevent Gypsy from contacting the outside world. Gypsy would then go on to tell reporters that later Gypsy had threatened to do the same thing, or excuse me. Gypsy told reporters that Dee Dee had threatened to do the same thing to Gypsy's fingers if she ever tried any of that ever again. The series shows that this took place after Dee Dee learned about her connections to Go To John online. But it would appear that Gypsy had attempted to flee her mother several times prior to that and the hammering of her interweb devices. And that all took place well before she met Nicholas Go To John. Dee Dee had also told Gypsy that she had contacted the police and filed the paperwork to list Gypsy as mentally incompetent and that any attempt to leave, she said that any attempt to go to the police would be unhelpful, that they wouldn't believe her, and that she would be returned home to Dee Dee where she would be punished unmercifully. Mm. In 2012, Gypsy had continued to use the internet on her mother's devices, clearing history after she was done. All done during the late night hours while Dee Dee slept. It was during this time that she made contact with her partner in crime, Nick Godijan. Godijan? Yep. The pair met on a Christian dating site, which I find to be hilarious. You find to be hilarious in so many ways. Besides the obvious murder of Dee Dee, Nick Godijan was also a criminal with mental health issues. He had been arrested and convicted of indecent exposure for watching pornography inside a McDonald's for roughly nine hours and masturbating while doing this, while doing so in 2013. Is that not normal? Is that not okay? I, I do it. I'm just saying that, you know, maybe it was a little bit excessive. It is all. I thought that that's why 7-Eleven was right next to our, uh... <clears throat> McDonald's so that if we run out of batteries we can go restock. I don't know. I, I don't just, know. you know, Ed, that's an awful long time to be jerking your gherkin. Alright, that shit gets raw. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, dude. Let it go. <laughs> Nick would say that he had only been scratching himself down there, but that's neither here nor there. That's a hell of an itch, bitch. That's a like... nine hour itch. <laughs> that, that's a... Uh, you've been fucking the wrong bitches if you've got a nine hour itch. <laughs> This, this is where you shave off your pubic hairs and wear the shampoo for two weeks. Yeah. Because <laughs> pubic glass is the devil. Devil. 
This led to Go to John being a registered sex offender. Additionally, Go to John was portrayed as a man with autism and possibly DID on the series. In real life, Go to John did tell Gypsy and the police that he had multiple personalities, which was never diagnosed properly or at all ever. I have red socks. I have blue socks too. It was Patricia. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> it was more like Nick had multiple alter egos that he created for himself. Go to John was a person on the spectrum of autism, and his parents had told the police that he had the mind of a child and that he would operate at a 10 to 12-year-old level for the rest <clears throat> of his life. His mother was optimistic that he would reach the mindset of a teen one day. Go to John was diagnosed with autism in grade school, according to his father, Bobby Go to John. Who said, quote, from the very first day when I was in kindergarten all the way to 12th grade, every single one of those days I was in special education. That's what Nick said. He went on to say, the weird thing, though, is that even though I was in special education throughout that entire time, I was considered one of the smartest children in the classrooms that I was in just because of my high-functioning autism Asperger syndrome. <clears throat> I think I say that wrong. I had to look at it again. Asperger. I know. it's. I actually had somebody spell it that way in a report. <laughs> Asperger. And I'm like, Jesus, fuck. Google it. You have an oracle of like a wealth of knowledge at your fingertips. With your goddamn cell phone, it does more than play Candy Crush. What? Karen. Karen. God damn. You're just kidding. I know too many Karens that I actually like. And none of them have that haircut. Nope, none of them. Did I know? No. No. Like my other half, my other BFF, Karen, my thing too. Yes. She is the cutest thing ever. And then Karen Jorgensen, Karen Warner. Mm-hmm. Um, <coughs> so there's actually quite a few Karens. So Nick Godajohn only has an IQ of 80 of 82. Nick said that. His life was very lonely. It was difficult for him to make friends. And his father, Bobby, said that he did have one or two, but that he spent the vast majority of his time alone or a little bit with his family. Um, Nick was not popular. He was not sought out by girls. And this makes for a lot of frustration when a kid goes from being a child and turns into a young man. Nick had a lot of interest in computers, and he showed a great desire to possibly be a repairman. However, due to his staggeringly low IQ and his inability to perform under pressure, this did not pan out for him. Teachers were frustrated with how long it took Nick to grasp anything, and ultimately, he was prevented he was preventing the class from proceeding at a regular speed. After that, Nick never tried to pursue anything with a career path. There was a lack of design for people like him in the area. The further isolation this further isolated Go to John as well. He lacked intelligence, social skill, and confidence. The internet was the only place for him to go and stay connected and have interests. This was a comfort for him, and it was a place where he could belong. He could make friends that were like him, and he had a thousand different places he could be, like to join groups and be himself. Nick often referred to himself as a recluse until he met Gypsy Rose Alcida Blanchard. Um. Nick was going nowhere and had done nothing, was doing nothing with himself when he met Gypsy online in that Christian dating site. Now, he wasn't in school, he wasn't working, and this gave him more than ample time to sit and connect with Gypsy. Nick was from Big Bend, Co <clears throat> Big Bend Wisconsin in Waukesha County, also home to Stephen Avery of <gasps> Making a Murderer. Ooh. 
Yeesh. He would spend years online with Gypsy flirting and exchanging messages that went sexual very quickly. Mm. Um, Gypsy had admitted to her friend Aaliyah that she and Godajan had been discussing eloping and that they had discussed even their future children's names. <sighs> now, I find this to be a... Okay, so hear me out on this part too. I find this to be a little sad because it's very unlikely that Gypsy's uterus is going to be able to actually carry a child. Mm -hmm. And the reason I say this is because even if she does want kids, I doubt that she'll have any. She's going to be in her 30s by the time she gets out. And we can touch on that later. But due to the insane amount of hardcore medications that her mom had her on, I really think that that would play a very large role in your reproduction fuck up. She was giving her daughter medications like that are exclusive for people on leukemia. It's an oral. Right. It's uh, short, long story short, the chemotherapy that I did, it's oral. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have a port, you don't have it pumped into your body. You take a fucking pill because yeah. the way that your body metabolizes it has it turns into a different chemical compound and it attacks certain places. Anyway, the point being that shit fucks up your, all your everything's. Did she ever have a period? Did it ever mention that? She did. So it mentioned like it talks about, yes, it shows it in the series on Hulu, the act. Sometimes she would intentionally not tell her mom just so that she would like soil her clothes. Like, as a way to get back at her mom. Fuck me? No, fuck you. No, fuck you. Clean this blood, bitch. Clean up my blood, bitch. Ring my panties out, (laughs) whore. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Uh, Aaliyah Wood... Wow. Woodmancy? Is that how you said it? Mm -hmm. That's really simple, actually. I just overthought it. Aaliyah Woodmancy was 23 in 2014... When she learned of Gypsy's online relationship with Go to John, she believed that Gypsy was much younger than her and that she was a type of a big sister for her. Aaliyah tried to talk Gypsy out of her plans to run away, and they were really um, half-hearted because Aaliyah didn't think this was more than just a fantasy for her and Gypsy, or for Gypsy, a tiny little frail human who was sick, wheelchair-bound, and still on a feeding tube. Aaliyah and Gypsy were able to stay in contact through Facebook even after Dee Dee had smashed her daughter's devices. Aaliyah had printed off and saved many of her and Gypsy's messages in Gypsy's posts. Aaliyah had warned Gypsy that Godajan was likely a sexual predator who was trying to take advantage of her. There were certainly advantages being taken, but I'm not sure if it was all the way Aaliyah had imagined. Imagined. Yeah. Had imagined. I'm just going to add shit to the words today. <clears throat> Godijan and Gypsy had flirted online, sexted, and video chatted many times. The conversations often going into a more adult place. Godijan even introduced a facet of BDSM into Gypsy's life, yeah. which she would claim was his thing, not hers. But this did not stop her from staying in contact with him and furthering their relationship. Yeah, but he wants to continue on saying that he was just scratching his his dick. His dick. <laughs> at McDonald's. Right. What were you scratching it with? Some a little lotion with a tissue? <laughs> <laughs> it's just 
I don't know. There's there's a lot of things, and and I'll I'll start like getting after it as we progress in this story. But it's pretty clear that Nick go to John. Um, I think a lot of boys. I think a lot of boys develop a fascination with their penis. Obviously, when right. they piddle with it and they figure out that it feels good. And then, you know, with the way that, uh, you know, the way that things are with pornography, like it's at our fingertips, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then a lot of them get hyper fixated on it and actually become addicted to pornography. That being said, um, I also feel like where Nick Godajohn had the mentality of a child and was right around that age that little boys generally figure out what their penis is for. Right. You know what I mean? So that nine hour wank at McDonald's, like motherfucker, you you shameless little shit. Anyway, the point being that I think that he probably did find himself in a BDSM rabbit hole. And I think that he really enjoyed that. Now, when he presented it to Gypsy Rose, she may have been put off with it at first, but she went along with it. Now, that being right, said, we'll did she, it, I, I suppose. Did she like it? I don't know. But it's pretty clear to me that she wanted to do the things that were pleasing him mm-hmm. for whatever purpose. So, ulterior motives all the way around. Yeah. Um, the next year, Gypsy arranged and paid for her for Gota John to meet her mother in Springfield. Her plan was for him to just bump into her while she and Dee Dee were both at the movie theater, both of them in costume and apparently strike up a relationship that way, then for her to introduce him to her mother. As soon as they did meet in person the, f- the first time, Gota John says, Gypsy led him to the bathroom where the two had sex. However, she apparently did not find him as desirable in person as he had seemed online. She later said he was creepy. Hmm. Yeah, that meeting that they planned also did not go as planned. Um, it did not go well at all. Dee Dee thought Goto John was a pedophile. He had showed up to the live-action Cinderella movie to bump into Dee Dee and Gypsy. He was alone with no children at... Cinderella. Mm-hmm. So Dee Dee was immediately put off by this and she insisted that he not sit anywhere near or speak to Gypsy. Gypsy had apparently taken a bathroom break by herself to take Joe to go to John to the bathroom for sex. Now I can't like go to John said it was before the movie. Gypsy said it was like bathroom break. Um, either way. Animation. Well, either way they went into the bathroom and they banged on the floor. Now. Sexy. So sex. Um, the two continued their internet interactions. However, they began developing their plan to kill Dee Dee. After the movie theater bathroom sex, how could he resist her request to murder her mother? Sex and a murder? Bathroom sex. (laughs) Yeah. Where I can get a slushy and popcorn and a boner. Polish my knob. Corn on the cob. (laughs) Check in with me. And do your job. Lay oh, on the fuck. bed. <laughs> no. Don't have to ask. Don't have to beg. <laughs> I can't stand 3-6 Mafia, dude. <laughs> anyway, that's just me. Now, back at the ranch. Um, This is very much where I feel like Gypsy had full intentions of taking advantage of Goda John's slow nature. She admitted that she didn't find him attractive, and she knew that she was no longer interested in him. 
interested in him, but she moved forward nonetheless. Now, in 2015, Godijohn returned to Springfield to complete the plan that he and Gypsy had concocted. During one of their online chats, they had decided that Godijohn would dispatch Dee Dee by stabbing her. Now, based on what was said in the act on Hulu, Gypsy had gone to the mall with her mom and managed to slip away from the watchful eye of Dee Dee briefly long enough to purchase a knife from a sporting goods store. While Dee Dee and Gypsy were at a doctor appointment, Goda John had arrived by bus and waited for night to fall so that he could sneak into their home. Gypsy had told Nick that she would let him into the house. She had laid out all of the items that he would need to complete this task, which included gloves, a knife, and some duct tape. Gypsy had considered this task very carefully, and she was fully aware that she was not going to be able to do it herself. She had talked about this in several interviews. And if you watch all of her interviews with Dr. Phil, 2020, um, HBO, the interviews that she does with the police after she's arrested, she's a little bit all over the place. And she admits and denies certain things with some people, and then it's different with others. Anyway, she is very adamant that she loved her mother. And I agree with her. I think she did very much love her mother. Yeah. And I don't think that she could have killed her mom either. But she she felt like there was no other way. Like, it, it was murder or nothing. Mm-hmm. She, like, it, <clears throat> it had crossed her mind once or twice, like, in public to just get up and walk. And, like, prove her mother wrong and was a liar. But she felt like that she was going to have consequences. Yeah. She's not strong enough from being in that wheelchair to physically fight her mom back or to leave fast enough. No. No, no, no. And I'll I'll touch base on that, too. Well, um, even after, you know, everything is said and done, she still, to this day, will say that she loves her mother. And I think it's really sad that at the end of the day, she felt like the only way she was ever going to have freedom from her mom was murder. Um, Turn to page. She would actually go on to say that she didn't think that Nick Godajon would be able to kill Dee Dee either. However, Nick was ready to do whatever he had been asked to do. Over the course of the last several years, Godajon had seen the depths of the darkness that Gypsy was suffering at the hands of her mother. From the needless feeding tube to the fake disability requiring the wheelchair to the involuntary captivity that Gypsy lived in. There were incidents that included Gypsy being tethered to her bed with handcuffs or leashes. Gypsy would later say that it only happened one time, but there are conflicting stories from Go to John, and perhaps that was Gypsy lying to him, or maybe she was lying for her mother post-mortem. The only people that really know are Dee Dee and Gypsy. Nick Godijan claimed that he had his evil personality take over. He claimed that Victor took the gloves and the knife to Dee Dee's room to end her life. Gypsy Rose hid in the bathroom and covered her ears as to muffle the sound of her mother being killed. There are, con- there are conflicting reports of Gypsy's recollection of that night in June of 2015. She said, She said she did not hear her mother's screams, but in a few interviews, she said that she did hear her mother crying out for help. Regardless, there was no one coming to her aid. While she slept in her room, Godijan crept into the room, which um, in turn had woken Didi. She turned to ask him who he was, and he had replied, I am your fucking nightmare. 
He then climbed on top of Dee Dee and began driving the fishing knife into her back. Nick told investigators in his initial interview that the first four times he stabbed her, the knife went in and out of her body easy. After that, he had to yank it to get the blade out to stab her again. Gota John said that he thought it had gone into her lung at one point because her scream became whispers and it got harder to stab her. There were a total of 17 stabs in Dee Dee Blanchard's body. There had been one blow, a devastating blow to the neck that was so deep it had nearly decapitated, decapitated Dee Dee. Gota John said that she had screamed for Gypsy three times, but that her daughter never came to her aid. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Well, she can't walk, so. Well. <laughs> Sorry, that was a low, low blow. Low blow. Um, Nick had claimed that Gypsy was in the bathroom shaving her body for him. After he killed Dee Dee, he and Gypsy began cleaning the house. Gypsy, who Nick claims was still naked from shaving, then took him into her room to have sex. Now, Nick said that the sex was consensual, but that he had been in charge. Finger quotes, in charge. Mm -hmm. Nick also told investigators that they basically had all three types of sex. They would later confirm that this is anal, oral, and vaginal sex. Gota John had been the one to take Gypsy's virginity in the movie theater bathroom. Um, he said so that romantic. I know every girl's first time should be on a sticky public restroom floor, especially in our. If I'm thinking about our theater floor, no, oh, God, no, Jesus, no, no, thank you. It's so gross. Um, God, Jesus. The more I think about it, I'm just like, oh, mm-hmm. please, no, 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 no. He said that before the movie. Okay, he said that it happened before the movie started, which I said contradicts with what Gypsy had confessed. During this interview afterwards, Nick said that Gypsy was able to climax several times, but that he could not. He told investigators investigators that he barely felt any pleasure and that because he has a lot of endurance and stamina, he, he often has to masturbate for lengthy periods before orgasming, orgasming which... Now makes the nine hours at Mickey D's make sense. Ew. But I don't know if his endurance and stamina was because he watched a lot of pornography, if he fiddled with his dick too much, or at that particular juncture, was it because he had just murdered somebody? And you know what I mean? So there's like a lot of different things. Like, I also wonder if his mental syndrome or diagnosis. I don't know if maybe that makes it more difficult for him to achieve orgasm. Cause like, I know a lot of dudes that it's like seven shakes and a shutter. Like they've got 30 seconds and they can rack a, uh, huh. You know what I mean? There's yeah. Yeah. You blow a puff of air on some of them. They're squirting everywhere. Squirt! <laughs> yep. Ski, ski. Think, if you think about it, it'll squirt but like, everywhere. like, I, like, not... <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I know some dudes that are like, I I don't need a whole minute. No. Which is fine sometimes. But sometimes you want that minute and a couple more. <laughs> but anyway, that being said, um, Nick was asked if he had sexually violated Dee Dee in any way. He insisted that he had not, although he had told Gypsy that he thought about raping Dee Dee. 
While he had the sinister thought cross his mind, he maintains that he did not engage in any sex abuse of any kind, pre or post mortem. Um, my question is, did he want to rape Dee Dee for power or was it his finger quotes evil side? And how many sides did he have in the series and in some of the the interviews, it'll go into how Nick would tell Gypsy that he had that personality disorder. Um, he would go on in the the act on Hulu and he would tell her, like, I have some challenges of my own. Nicholas was played by Callum Worthy. He would tell Gypsy, it's hard to explain. Like, when I was 14 or 15, I saw something in my eye that was gnawing at me. Gypsy asks if it hurt and he explained, it's not physical. It's more like another personality. Actually, I think I do have multiple personalities, but don't worry because there's a good one and it's me, Nick. But there's another one, a dark one. He's a vampire and his name is Victor. I'm a vampire. A very polite vampire. We should find that. We gotta find that. I looked for it one time forever, but it was a long time ago. <clears throat> I didn't really know what to Google. Although this is a fictional portrayal, it's true that Gypsy and Nicholas would use different personas when they were texting and communicating. Gypsy would call herself Ruby, while Nick referred to his, his, ev- his evil side. According to text messages reviewed during his trial, Nick told Gypsy that his evil side enjoys killing. In later interviews, Gypsy referred to Nick Nick's evil side described in the act. He had multiple personalities. This is what she this is a quote. 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 He had multiple personalities that were violent and scary. And that's what she told Dr. Phil in 2017. He thought he was a 500-year-old vampire named Victor. I thought I was in love with him. The good side of him. Now, she was she really in love with Nick? Debatable. No one really believes that she did love him, not even her family, and especially not his. How could she? Yet there were years of texts and chats and videos and pictures shared between the two that just cannot explain, um, cannot be explained anyway in one conversation. Had Gypsy learned from a master manipulator herself to make go to John fall in love with her and do her bidding? I feel like this very well could be the case. But what about his diminished mental state and IQ? Were these just a perfect storm of fuckery most foul? I don't know. Are they? Are they? Are they? Only you can decide. Psychologists were brought in to testify at Godajan's hearing to determine whether or not the murder was premeditated. Um, two psychologists examined... Uh, English, motherfucker, do you speak it? Mm-hmm. The two psychologists examined Godajan and diagnosed him with an autism spectrum disorder. His attorneys argued that this made it more difficult for him to discern what was fantasy versus reality. They also noted that he had had a problematic upbringing and was socially isolated. But it's unclear whether or not Nicholas Godajan was ever diagnosed with multiple personality disorder. And Gypsy said that he did, but really... That doesn't make it so. Um, so there's more to disassociative disorders, the role-playing, the alter egos. DID disorders are a, real, <clears throat> are a rare mental illness, and it's only an estimated 2% of them um, are actually accurate and have been diagnosed. Now, <clears throat> according to the National Alliance on Mental, mental Illness, the NAMI, 
Disassociation essentially means there's been a disconnection between somebody's thoughts, memories, and feelings and actions, and the sense of who they are. According to the Sidron Institute, a traumatic stress education and advocacy group, usually disassociative disorders develop as a response to an overwhelming trauma, such as physical or sexual child abuse. In the face of intense physical or emotional pain, children may learn to disassociate their feelings and memories as a safety mechanism. Repeated disassociation can actually lead to amnesia, depersonalization, derealization, and fragmentation. And this all comes from the American Psychiatric Association. That was so many big words in a row. I know. That was hard. Hey, thanks. You're welcome. Hey, thanks. Thanks. The applause to you. Oh, well. No. Um, there are three types of disassociative disorders. There's disassociative amnesia, identity disorder, which is DID, and then the depersonalization depersonalization disorder. Um, most people are familiar with the disassociative identity disorder, which is characterized by switching between multiple personalities. And this was made famous, obviously, by the movie Split. Yes. Patricia! Uh, Hedwig's still my favorite. Oh, Hedwig is all the way my favorite. I have blue socks. I have red socks, too. Do you want to, do you want to see? Do you want to bite? Beast is coming tonight! (laughs) Um, okay, so these identities typically, typically come around when a child is eight or nine years old. And this usually is like a child will engage in imaginary play, Right. But according to the Sidron Institute, what happens is often someone with DID will feel like there are multiple identities inside of them, which have their own backstories, their own voices, mannerisms, everything. And that is also according to the Mayo Clinic. Now, if you really look into the deep, deep history of multiple personalities and or disassociative identity disorder, there was a a study where a person had a, a personality of a individual that was a diabetic exhibited all the symptoms of a diabetic required insulin but only as that personality Mm -hmm. so they tested like they tested the person for diabetes and they were like you don't have diabetes and then when he was in that personality whatever in his body literally like they tested his blood motherfucker was a diabetic jesus christ it's weird shit dude i don't like it because it just it makes me feel like there's more it to makes it. me feel weird and sad. It's and not in a good way. I don't like it. I don't like it. Given its link to post-traumatic stress disorder, DID is often treated through psychotherapy that involves reclaiming traumatic experiences, according to the Sidron Institute. People with DID may also struggle with trauma, flashbacks, suicidal thoughts, and other depression and anxiety disorders. The goal of treatment is to address these issues and eventually get someone to integrate their alternate personalities into one whole functional person, according to an AMI or NAMI. 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 My kids call my stepmom NAMA, and that's what I nearly said. According to NAMA... So, although there have been many pop culture depictions of disassociative disorders, ranging from comical to grim, it's important to understand that it's a mental illness that can affect people's lives in a very real way. The night that Go to John murdered Dee Dee, he had a very clear depiction of what had happened. 
This is a quote from him. The very second I put my foot down, I had one of those moments that you might only have once in your lifetime, he explained. It was an angel and the devil. First the angel spoke. It actually said, take her and run. And then you had the other part of me, that darn devil. That damn devil. That darn devil. What he ended up telling me was, that bitch is dead. I got so darn enraged that something inside of me clicked. Unfortunately, that part of me wanted to come out and play for a very long time. And the first opportunity it got, it didn't waste any time. That dark shadow part of me really is triggered by anger. And once the anger clicks, I see red. All right, Pee-wee Gaskins. I think you're just going to relate everything to that for a while. Well, because he's so burned into my head that I'm like, ugh. 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 Fucking Pee-wee. I wonder if Pee-wee had a different personality. I think he was always just a fucked up piece of shit. Meish. Yeesh. So, after cleaning the house, the blade, and gathering the necessities, they plundered $4,000 in cash from Dee Dee. The pair then fled to a nearby hotel just outside Springfield. They stayed there for a few days until they could make their next moves. There were several security cameras that had caught them at local businesses, and they pretty much have their every move recorded. Gypsy really believed that they were going to get away with their crime. Gypsy had still been in control of go to john like after the entire incident she convinced him that it was safer to mail the knife back to the go to john home to avoid being caught with that murder weapon they then hopped onto a greyhound bus and headed to wisconsin there were several witnesses that saw gypsy walking unassisted wearing a blonde wig at the bus depot when the two arrived in wisconsin they were collected from the bus stop by go to john's mother stephanie Golddammer. these last names are Golddammer. Golddammer. My name's Stephanie Goldammer. Goldammer. From there, they went to the home of Nick's mom and stepdad, Charles. Now, per the series on Hulu, this was a less than fairy tale um, existence for her. Apparently, this home was dark and dank. Um, The mom didn't take care of the kids. Nick lived in the the attic they didn't have a lot of food in the house and i don't know if this was a very accurate portrayal of the home it's hard to say charles Goldammer did do a bit of press coverage in the days following Dee Dee's death when nick had actually been arrested for the crime all i know is that swat team came in this morning took my wife and i out of here something with my stepson supposedly he did something in missouri which we don't believe because he wouldn't hurt a fly that's what charles told abc 12 at the time Well, when Charles and Stephanie were asked if Nick carried Gypsy into the house, they were really baffled. This is another quote. There's nothing wrong with her. She's okay. She walks and talks and does everything fine. Charles said of Gypsy in the same interview, I don't really know anything about her except Greta John and her... We're talking to each other online. It's his girlfriend, and he went down there to get her and brought her back up here. That's all I know. That's about all I know. That's all I know about that. (laughs) The police tapes shown in Mommy Dead and Dearest illustrate a similar level of confusion from the Goldammers. Stephanie's interview was used almost verbatim in the act. Quote, 
You know, it was weird because when I picked them up from the bus station, I even asked her, how's your mom doing? I was told she was in a homeless shelter. Her mom kicked her out. Stephanie recalled in the police interview about first meeting Gypsy. So I asked her how her mom was doing. That might have been the first thing I asked her. No big deal. They acted like nothing. The interview of Go to John and Gypsy were also used and were damn near perfect in terms of gestures, mannerisms, as well as the exact words used. As the detective explained what Go to John and Gypsy were suspected of, Stephanie grew increasingly upset. Are you serious? She asked when she told the couple had mailed the murder weapon to her house. Oh my God, my God, she kept repeating. Just the way the girl acted, I mean, how can you do something to your mother and lose your mother and just act like that? I'm just trying to wrap my head around it. Charles was equally mystified in his own police interview that was shown on the documentary. Quote, they acted like two normal people. That's what's really freaky. How can you do that? He said. He acknowledged that Go to John had received that package, but he had no idea that there was a murder weapon inside. He said, I don't go through the mail and maybe I should have. Dude, this is a big thing for me. I don't go through my kids' mail. I tell them, like, my space is my space. Don't go through my shit. I won't go through yours. Don't touch my mail. I don't go through your shit. You know, maybe I fucking need to. I'm like, I'm <clears> your <throat> fucking mom. If I want to open that shit, I will. Yeah, but your kids are little. Yeah. Like, it's a little different when your kids are 19 and 17. Like, fuck. Hover. Yeah. yeah. Helicopter mom. I Jesus. Know. No, it's more like nosy. It's like, I see you have mail. I would like to know what's in it. Just because I'm nosy. Nothing else. Yeah, but do you want your kids doing that shit to you and going through your stuff? I don't really care. Well, it's fucking They stupid. do anyway. Boundaries, bitch. Teach your kids some. If it's mail, all they're going to see is a bill or junk mail. So I don't really fucking care. <clears throat> According to the Gold Dammers accounts, they never expected Godajon to be involved in a murder. And they seemed more upset by how he and Gypsy were able to seem li- like seemingly put the whole thing behind them and act normal. Mm. On the series, on Hulu, the act, Gypsy was portrayed as anything but calm. They showed her to be riddled with fear and anxiety, a person on the edge of collapse. This was not true. We will cover all of this in the next piece of Gypsy Rose next week, and we will further discuss the arrest, the trial, convictions, and the aftermath that follows. Until then, don't poison your kids, don't kill your mom, and don't fuck strangers on the internet. Or do whatever. Just, uh, stay stay out of chalk lines. lines. Goodbye. Don't fuck on a dirty bathroom floor. Don't fuck. You gonna fuck on me? You gonna fuck on me?